The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 376. Have a good friend of the show coming back on to join us. There's no Bubba on the bat flip tonight, as Toby's on vacation in Alaska, of all places. So if uh, if we're not going to talk NFPC with Toby, I might as well bring on one of the best NFPC players out there. You can find him on Twitter, at RotoGut, his work over at Fantasy uh, Guru and Elite Fantasy. Vlad Sadler, how are we doing, my friend? I'm good, Bubba. It's always uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, a fellow uh, young father like myself. Not yes. not that we're young, but our, our kids are young. Exactly, our kids are young. Yeah, that's why, that's why I laugh when you know, like you tweeted out the other day the the Mervin's, uh Black Friday gif. You're uh-huh. like only like certain people. Oh, yeah, I remember that commercial. Yep, I'm with yeah. you there. So it's it was catchy back then, right? I mean, you yep. saw that. I I love that commercial. It was open, yep. open, 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 open. Yep, I'm with you there. So yeah, no, we are. We both. Uh, I love it. You do the same thing I do when I ask, "Hey, can you be on the show?" You're anytime after such and such because that's the kids asleep. I'm like, yep, I know, I get it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, just to get ready for for uh, for a podcast is a, is just becomes a thing. Like the the yep. kids asleep, but now I've got you know I've got the two cats locked with me in the room, hoping they don't meow, and then the dog outside trying to get in. So oh, that's the it. life. I get it, my friend. So it's the life. It's fun. It's fantasy baseball. Um, before we get into the the usual NFPC recap and all the good stuff, how are things going with you on this crazy season with the injuries? Like, how are you handling such just pure chaos right now? So I was uh, I was cruising along pretty well. Like I yeah, basically three weeks ago, I thought it was just destiny. Like I couldn't be stopped. Like every um, everything was just going absolutely right. Pick up a Dallas Garcia a week early for pennies on the dollar. Uh, two no hitters uh, in the same week from a couple of guys that I ended up fabbing in uh, Kluber and Turnbull. Then end up you know both of those guys get hurt. Uh, Eflin skips the start. McCullers goes IL. 
uh, you know, just, just one thing after another. Freddie Freeman and Bogarts, like two guys that are basically two of the best contact hitters in the league, go on the worst stretches of, you know, basically their, of their last five years. And yeah, I mean, everything just kind of, you know, turned to, turned to poop. Uh, ironically, it was, uh, and obviously, there, I don't really believe in jinxes and I don't think there really is a thing, but I do joke about Roto Karma. And since I, and literally the day that things started going downhill, uh, was the day that I, I made that little joke about uh, Plesak and uh, sw- you know the kids swinging in the fire. So, yeah, Dave McDonald got you. No, I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's 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 been a wild year. I, I kind of know what you're talking about because um, I've either had teams that have been injured, and then so I kind of like tried to weigh that out, and they've gotten healthy, and you know the climb starting back again. Or I had some like you're saying that were just bulletproof for a while. And all of a sudden, like three injuries in a row happen, and now you're doing the other direction. So it's been basically, if you can avoid the landmines, and there's way more of them this year, as like Derek Rhodes and those guys tell us all the time, it's it's pretty wild. So it it, it makes Fab that much more important. I feels like compared yeah. to usual. And we're going to talk about uh, some strategies and stuff going forward here in a little bit. But uh, let's talk about some of the big names that got picked up over this last week. As we usually do on the show, we talk about the most added players or some of the most added players that kind of bring. Some, some name value to them. And the first one's Patrick Wisdom, who has seven home runs already this season. He had two on Sunday right before Fab kicked off. He's, you know, right in DFS. You see his hard hit rates. You see everything. And then the guy's crushing baseballs. But it's one of those, how long can it last for? How much mm-hmm. are you going for? And I even jokingly tweeted, use some wisdom and don't overspend on Sunday. Like, just don't yeah. do it because yeah. you're going to – it's one of those that just gets staring you right in the face. So what's your thoughts on Patrick Wisdom? He went as high as 300, but most leagues I was in, it wasn't like crazy, crazy. Yeah, I mean, most of us have played for for a while, and you know, a lot of listeners of the show too. And the thing is, it's just human nature to want to chase something like this, no matter how disciplined you are, no matter how good of a player you are. There's always that one guy that'll catch you at some point, whether it's you know, uh, Yerman Mercedes earlier in the year, Wisdom now, Eric Haas, like these guys that just come out of nowhere. You kind of want to be first, but you, you know, you're not really first, especially when. Uh, you're, uh, you're you're chasing stats, right? Because you're not going to get seven home runs over the next ten days span, no matter what. From Patrick Wisdom, it's just not going to happen. If it does happen, it's like you know the one percent chance. I was on a, a pod with your buddy, uh, with our buddy Scott Jensen the other day. He said zero percent chance, right? So um, he's actually the third player in history to hit seven homers in his first eight games uh, with a new team. And uh, uh, Aristides Aquino was one in nineteen, and then uh, Trevor Story in twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, I know that, and we we know how one guy's still playing. The other guy doesn't play much at all. So that yeah. just tells you everything you need to know about that kind of streak. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's fun if Wisdom can keep doing it, but it's just the reality. And the biggest thing is, is the Cubs are eventually, hopefully, you'd imagine getting healthy. So mm-hmm. then, where does Wisdom play? Like it's just one of those deals. Like Jock's hurt, so maybe that'll give him some more some more leeway for a little longer. But I'm with you. It's like one of those. I put it. I always put in keep him honest bids, like we talk about doing. And yeah, I didn't come close. Like <laughs> I was, it wasn't even in the ballpark. So yeah, I'm mo- fine with that one. Uh, most of my, I mean, most of my 15 teamers, he was going for 100 plus, and I was, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I know we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show, but just I just wasn't in a position to spend that much. And then also just looking at guys in his sort of his profile, I understand he was a first round pick way back in the day, but you know he's almost 30, and it's really rare that you see somebody truly break out and just become a, a star or a semi star. Uh, the way really only two guys in recent memory did. It's uh, you know it's obviously Justin Turner uh, and then uh, Ryan Ludwig. I mean honestly, those are really the only two guys in the last decade you can think of that really fit that profile and break out. 
Yeah, very, very uncommon. So enjoy it while you can. But you did say one very, very key thing is I think a lot of people, when we're chasing those hot players, you're not getting those home runs he hit. So it's like you got to remember that going forward. You're, you're paying for hopefully the production forward, and it's not always what you're hoping for. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm just going to lump in the three catchers because yeah. every week it seems like there's so many injuries, and now the catchers are getting banged up all the time. And the, the big commodities this week is Eric Haas, who went deep again on Tuesday. Uh, he, he's been a monster. You have Ryan Jeffers, who's getting a lot of playing time because Garver's going to be out for a while, and he was up early in the air, sent down. Now he's back. And you have Max Stasi, who also went deep on yeah. Tuesday. So these these out, these catchers are they're producing, which is crazy this year. Um, how did you look at these three going into it? Because like um, Haas, I actually grabbed last week in a couple leagues. Nice, but it's one of those. I kind of think he's going to get a ton of playing time, so I get it. Yeah, I mean, A.J. Hinch literally was quoted, I believe, today or yesterday saying they're going to find uh, at-bats for him. I mean, even when Wilson Ramos comes back with the the, the spine issue, I mean, the kid could DH. I mean, a a bat like that is in play. Uh, And, you know, maybe he is in the flash in the pan. I mean, 28 home runs in uh, in about 100 games in AAA uh, back in the last full year that we had in 2019. But obviously a big hole in the swing. Uh, uh, you look back at his his strikeout rate in the minors. I mean, it's literally between 30 to, to 40% every single year. So you know exactly what you're getting. You're, it's a guy that is, will just won't be startable certain weeks uh, where he's just going to, you know, he's going to hit 100 for your team and then uh, another week hit, hit a few bombs. But he is worth taking a stab at because it is at a position that's uh, that's really tough. Uh, my boy is actually Max Stasi because he, uh, him and I have a, have a long history, at least as far as this year is concerned. Uh, uh, so he was actually a target of mine in, um, drafts, like you know, a 30th round pick, uh, cause I like his bat. What I'm liking over the last few days is where he's hitting in the lineup. So it was really cool to see on Sunday. Uh, he hit third, then, uh, Monday he hit fifth. And then today he hit fourth. Uh, I mean, obviously when Trout's back and everyone is healthy, is not necessarily sustainable. But um, uh, just super quick, my, my, my story with him is uh, on my main, main event team, it's actually somehow still in first place. I just doesn't have the 30-point lead that, uh, that I have now. It's like down to like one point. Uh, but Stasi, I carried zeros from him for two weeks because he was on a seven-day uh, concussion IL. And you just thought, okay, it's probably going to be back. It sounds like it. But then there was no news. So I took the one zero, then I took the next zero. And then uh, as if things couldn't get worse, I picked up Dalton Varsho the week that he went on. I also literally that Monday, he went back to the minors. Uh, Carson Kelly was dropped in my league that week. Uh, I put in like 70. He went for like 150. So I had no chance. Then I got Stassi back. So I'm stoked. I have him on the team. He's my favorite guy. He He's the guy that I recommend um, first out of these three. No, and I like the Stassi call because I think – we were on the same page because all of a sudden when he came back, I'm like setting DCs and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, wait, I got Stasi like on all these leagues right now. Like this is a nice little gym that popped up because um, I, I was a big fan of what he did in, in the previous years. He was just always platooning with um, – how was his name? Castro. He was returning yeah. with Castro the last couple of years, and now it seemed like it's his role because Suzuki is – usable as he's been he's getting older and just not saying the same suzuki so it's pretty much stassi's role mm-hmm. if you saw the writing on the wall there and i like what you mentioned with the lineup thing because i talked about it with justin upton recently too ever since he went to the leadoff spot he's mm-hmm. starting to crush baseballs so you can definitely see a difference in the way joe madden's running the ball club compared to the way yeah. social used to run the ball club mm-hmm. big big difference where he's taking advantage of these guys that are hitting the baseball so it will be interesting when trout comes back after the all-star break where they move things around but you'd imagine at worst stassi hits like sixth 
at worst. Mm-hmm. And so that's still a very, very good for a catcher's position, as you mentioned. Um, and, and just one thing, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think back because I didn't really pay attention to, to lineup spot, spots or lineup slots like 10 years ago or when I first started mm-hmm. playing. You just, just kind of pop guys in. Advanced metrics weren't really a thing, or at least we didn't really know about it. And now I think we're hypersensitive to it. We're paying really close attention to it. But, like, I mean, do you recall managers, like, really switching guys around so much in the lineup so frequently? I mean, it's crazy. No, it's like even when like I remember like we played Little League and stuff, it was almost a standard lineup. And that's how the it seemed like the pros did it. These guys would know straight up before they even walked in the clubhouse, like I'm hitting six today or I'm doing this. Yeah. Like it was never a question. And now it's you hear certain managers talk about it because these this new era of ball players such a creature of habit and everything. Some of these managers will text the guy the night before, like, hey, you got the day off, or hey, you're batting seventh and you're playing the outfield today, or they'll mm-hmm. give my heads up the day beforehand type deal. So it is very fluid. And uh, I know we have a question from Dusty Wagner we'll talk about later, but I think it's one of the best, one of the key things about playing DFS is yeah. it kind of keeps you on your toe there. There's a few things we'll talk about, but I've said it a lot of times. I know you've said it on shows. I think playing DFS daily has made me a better season-long yeah. player. I, I can 100% agree with that, and that's why I try to preach to people, not just shamelessly plugging my my DFS shows I do. It's like, even if you don't play DFS, just listen to them because you're going to pick up things throughout the mm-hmm. time, and they're, they're like half an hour long. They're quick, but um, another, yeah, I mean, another story for another day. I mean, I see you hitting the the you're you're hitting the the, the bombs all the time. You always have like a tater tweet. So I, I hit a lot of bombs, or I just I'm, I'm making love with just watching guys do it. And I was like, oh, yeah. let's have fun with it. But yes, yeah. no, I big big fan of the home runs, and we're getting a lot of them now because sticky stuff's gone in baseball. How are you approaching that? I'm just going to ask you that because we've seen already kind of this first wave through the rotations. Mm-hmm. Like Garrett Cole, we're going to see it again on Wednesday. See if it's mm-hmm. a real issue. His interview on Tuesday wasn't very um, heartwarming, and and it didn't feel good. So like, are you? How are you going to start looking at these pitchers differently now? Because they're not using the sticky stuff, the sticky, sticky stuff, I should say. Yeah. It changes things. It does. Uh, we're kind of locked into our teams, right? I mean, there's not much yeah. we can do. If there was like a July 4th league or something like that, perhaps we can adapt and maybe uh, prioritize hitters a little bit more. Uh, you know, we had cut line bids this week, and those are the the 10 team best ball points leagues. And, um, you know, I was talking to my colleague Siege, who was basically saying that he was going to reduce his pitcher bids by like 15, 20% and move that into the, into, into the hitter budget. Um, I don't know. I guess I just uh, kind of a, a wait and see. I'd like to somehow get ahead of it, but I don't know how necessarily I'm going to do that, but it's going to be sort of a, a universal move, right? I mean, if, if, if hitting is going to go up and, and ratios go down, it's going to, it's going to affect every, everyone sort of evenly. Uh, but you know, people that have, that really went heavy pitching are probably the ones that are going to be most affected. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I am really curious, and I'm glad we have so many smart people around us that do things also because I'm just looking forward to somebody to put a graph together of like the changes in spin rates for some mm-hmm. guys because it's going to be very telling to see the difference yeah. in some of these guys that uh, um, I've heard some of the, the hitters talk about. They said they don't care if they use the stuff for like control. It's when mm-hmm. you're spinning the ball too much, then it gets out of control. So yep. it'll be really interesting. Um, Paul Fry, the Baltimore Orioles. They're winning baseball games. Not great, but they're winning baseball games. Cesar Valdez was usable for a while there. We've seen in recent years they've had um, closers that you know can rack up a few saves for us. But Paul Fry was picked up in 234 leagues. He seems to be getting some of the back-end uh, action right now. How interested are you a guy like Paul Fry? Uh, I mean, he is. Uh, it, it's part of the game that we're playing this year, which is basically the game we're playing every year, is, uh, is chasing the closers and chasing the saves. And uh, what do we really have uh, over the last week? We have one save from uh, from Paul Fry. We don't even know if he's the guy, if he's the closer. I mean, you go to Roster Resource, for example, they're showing it as a four-man committee. Uh, Fry, 
Cole Sulcer, Hunter Harvey, Tanner Scott. Um, obviously, that's not you know, necessarily the case, and they haven't been really, you know, haven't really received many. There haven't been many save opportunities on that team lately. He does sort of feel like the lead. Uh, I'm always a little worried or hesitant about the uh, the, the, the lefty arm uh, because they there are situations, you know, higher leverage sometimes in the earlier innings when those are needed. But they do have Tanner Scott there, who's also a lefty, and he can handle some of those. So, uh, you know, Fry, obviously, you know, like a 37% strikeout rate so far this year, ERA under two, like a 2% barrel rate. That bullpen is pretty good. Uh, you got Hunter Harvey hopefully stepping in there. Uh, and Cole Sulcer has been phenomenal, too. You remember him? He grabbed some saves last year for the Orioles. Uh, and this year, I mean, his numbers, you know, metrics, everything is pretty similar uh, to what Fry is. He's just a righty, basically. Yeah. No, I, I like that call. Hunter Harvey's a guy that I was chasing going into like last season before he got hurt. I think the talent's there for a closer's role. We'll see. Um, but you mentioned Solcer. I like Tanner Scott coming into the year because he's a, a good lefty arm. So they have a lot of moving parts, which is a good point. It kind of goes back to something we talk about a lot is some of these teams where it's such a committee-based, don't go breaking the bank on Fab because yeah. it's going to be yeah. very, very tilting. But uh, I know people are chasing them because I know Scott's talked about it. Toby's talked about it. I think Toby finally got his first save on one of his main event teams like last week or something. So it's yeah. it's been wild on some of these deals. Um, Taylor Trammell, he got called back up. It was I, I chuckled. It probably wasn't funny for Taylor, but when he got sent down for clinic and Jared's back in the minors now, like the very first day, Taylor hits like two homers and he starts hitting again, just like clinic was in AAA because it's just different status of baseball. But uh, he hit very well. He's back up. Looks like he'll get a pretty good run right now. Were you buying back into maybe getting some Taylor Trammell? I was. So my, uh, my, my fab values article that I put out over the weekend for 15 teamers, he was basically the, for me, the guy, uh, to, to go after. And this is, this is before Eduardo Elevaris uh, got, got called back up. Uh, but, but just because he, he is of strong pedigree is a first rounder and whatever issues he had, um, you know, obviously triple A doesn't just fix that. I mean, he had a 40% strikeout rate before going, before getting sent down, uh, after the first six weeks or whatever it was. But in 17 AAA games, the guy matched. He hit 384 with like a 420 OBP, uh, six homers, three steals. He was just raking. And then he, he's come up and he's had a few multi-hit games, which is good. So he's one of those guys that's just kind of a good overall. Um, he can give you a little bit, bit of everything. He's like a five-category player. Uh, and if he gets hot, would be uh, would be really good. Yeah, no, there was definitely the prospect pedigree you mentioned. So He's going to get a run. He's going to get some very, really good run. So it's definitely mm-hmm. someone to keep in mind. And, and Vlad just mentioned it. And I was, I was a bad host and to let him plug things earlier, but he'll get to plug it again. That Fabs article is is golden itself, and that cut line Thank one you, you did, because um, I only do cut line for Raz Slam. I have not, I, I don't have the time for it. So I literally opened that thing up, pulled up the sheet, and I just did all my bidding because it was actually it was a thing of beauty. So uh, Vlad Thank does you. awesome work on that stuff. And if you're doing Fab, that's we're going to have a long fab segment to talk about here pretty soon. And uh, he's very, very good at it. Thank you. Uh, Casey Mize, we're not going to talk about Casey Mize, but um, he started to figure things out, it looks like, which is really good. The strikeouts are there, the pitch mix change. His teammate, Tariq Skubal, has done the same thing. And some said even that Skubal is going to be the better pitcher than Mize, at least early on. And right now, Skubal, I might give the nod to. We'll see how his mm-hmm. next start against the White Sox does, you know, seeing a team back-to-back, especially mm-hmm. a team like the White Sox that loves hitting lefties. But Scuba was picked up in a lot of leagues this week because people are still kind of waiting to see. Are you buying in on Scuba and the changes he's made? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I am. And uh, in 12-team leagues, you you want to try to get um, ahead of the curve and, and grab guys that 
could have long-term um, staying power basically on your team. And, and uh, after you start seeing those K's uptick a little bit, it was like three weeks ago and he's just been on an absolute tear and I forgot what it was, something, but like uh, just an insane amount of strikeouts over his last four starts and uh, phenomenal, right? I mean, he's even won a few games, I think like three of his last three starts or something like that. So uh, it's good. It's, you know, gives some good confidence for, for just for the Tigers knowing that he's, you know, that, that, they have somebody like that who's going to going to come in and shove, um, you know, in his start. So, uh, absolutely, I'm buying. I was actually surprised in the 12 teamers where he was still available. Uh, there were a couple spots I was able to get him pretty easily. Uh, and I'm talking about like you know under thirty dollars. I was you know Steel. basically quite surprised by that. Yeah. No, I, I remember looking on Sunday and I and he wasn't available in any of my 12 teamers. I was very disappointed in that because I'm then going. Because I, I got like Herman Marquez a few weeks ago. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. that was kind of nice. Like, you, you'll find in certain 12s every once in a while, you'll just get this random, like, hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no scoobles for me. I was just kind of bummed on that one because he's he's been outstanding. I think it's for real. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if the White Sox got to him this week just because they are that good versus lefties. Yeah. But he's not going to be perfect every time. He's still young. But overall, I think it's going to be a very good good uh, investment the rest of the way. One that's kind of surprising to me right now, and he's kind of forcing the Yankees to play him because, A, their offense is very bad at the moment. Mm-hmm. But Miguel Andujar is back up, and we've tried this experiment many times, and it's never succeeded. But um, at least they did once. He's playing pretty good right now. He's hit three homers over like the last five or six games, and mm-hmm. he's kind of making the Yankees put him in the lineup. Um, he was picked up in a handful of leagues this go-around. Are you interested in a guy like Miguel Andujar? Uh, yeah, I mean, I threw in uh, a bunch of conditional bids on him in in um, in the cut lines, and then in fifteen teamers, he was you know just also a, a conditional bid, not a priority or anything. But he's going to play. Uh, it, remember before his injury and everything back in I think it was twenty eighteen, he had that big season, almost hit thirty home runs. Um, I will. Know, I was just right now looking up to see if he walked today because he is basically up until today. The man hasn't uh, taken a free pass like at all this season. It's pretty imp- impressive. Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> that is pretty impressive, especially in this era of baseball. You think yeah. they're either like going to strike out, walk, or uh, you know maybe go yard. So that that is quite interesting with the young man, Jonathan India. This one is another. We talked about Joe Madden messing with the lineup. Well, they're doing it in uh, Cincinnati mm-hmm. because the Suarez experiment. It's been not just in the field; it's been at the plate. He was mm-hmm. leading off for a while. Now he's down to like sixth. They moved India back up to first once Sinzel went out and he started playing regularly again. And all of a sudden, he's hitting the baseball again. Shocker. You put good bats behind him, make teams pitch yeah. to him. The young kid can hit. Um, so I was trying to add him back on teams I dropped him on a few weeks back, at least in 12-team leagues. I'm intrigued by him, at least while he's leading off. What about you? Same. Uh, you know, 10% barrel rate, and uh, he's a fantastic prospect, right? He's a first-round pick. Uh, fifth overall, actually, a few years back. And uh, had a fantastic start to the season. Uh, he made the team uh, from the jump. So um, really impressive. And the Reds are looking for that leadoff man. They're looking for that right guy. I mean, obviously, I think it didn't take us long to, to, to figure out that Suarez really isn't it. Uh, actually, he was hitting better uh, leadoff. He was, um, yeah. that's, that's only because, you know, you can't get worse when you're hitting 150. So, uh, but they need that kind of that, that leadoff man. There is no Senzel. Uh, Akiyama isn't really good enough to be a, to be an everyday guy there. So, so who is there? So he makes sense for now. And um, yeah, just, just, just let's, uh, let's ride with him and hope for the best. I, I'd see a very good uh, career for him in his future. 
Yeah, definitely. And he was in the same draft class as Alec Baum. And right now, Baum was supposed to be the better player, according to many. Yeah. And that's obviously a long ways to go. But uh, so yeah. far, so good for India. Um, Edward Oliveris, you mentioned him earlier. You tweet about him every day. I love the tweets because it's just it's so true. He was really good with the Padres prospect wise. Gets traded over. Royals kind of played him here and there. And then they, they brought him up this year. He hit. They sent him down. He hit. And now that he's up again. You seem invested in him. So what's your thoughts on Oliveris? Yeah, it's interesting. I wasn't really planning on it, but um, I ended up with him. I think I have seven 12-team OCs. I think I got him on five, and I got him on a couple of main events, and I really didn't make such aggressive bids. And I think a lot of people were just kind of seeing the writing on the wall, the fact that he was called back up because Mondesi got hurt, and there's a good chance he can get sent back down next week. But I want to be able to catch lightning in a bottle in uh, contests that have that overall component. And when you're looking at the rest of the list of, you know, it's like it's AJ Pollock, who's you know kind of a part-timer, Adam Duvall. Like these are the type of guys available in the outfield in 12-teamers. I just went ahead and just bumped Oliveris at the top of it, kept, you know, kept them between 10 to $20 and just ended up landing uh, because – if I if he doesn't stick and he gets sent back down to the minors, no worries. Go ahead and drop yeah. him. But otherwise, if something's there and he does catch that lightning, uh, I've got myself a nice resource that everyone else is going to chase and overspend for the following week. Hundred percent. That's a great point. Like that's part of what we'll talk about here in a minute. Is sometimes, especially in twelves, you can get away with it a lot more. I think and then fifteens, just because yeah, there's so many more options. But you can obviously do it in fifteens. Is sometimes um, if you know. You don't have the money to get the next big thing that week or, or something. Mm-hmm. You can still churn and burn. It's something you talked about many, many times on my show and other shows. And that could be just grabbing a guy like this and just giving him a shot for a few bucks and seeing if it works and mm-hmm. seeing if he sticks. Um, the last guy I want to ask you about, I didn't put him on the outline, but I just want to ask kind of your philosophy on looking at him because I'm a Steven Duggar fan. And I know mm-hmm. when you tweeted out uh, your, your ads for the week that you added him in a couple 12s and whatnot, um, especially for the week he has coming up. It plays very well. He's hitting when he's hitting things, he's hitting it very, very well. The concern I have, and I want to just know how you look at, basically, this is more of a question on how do you look at players and their kind of projections to you. He's striking out like 47% of the time. So it is literally all or nothing with Steven Duggar right now. Um, Are you literally grabbing him to run him out there for the week and probably drop him soon? Or what's your plans with a guy like Duggar? Yeah, because uh, to me, I I don't see him as somebody that is on this team you know, mind repeating it, I we got him on platinum um, for uh, more than you know more than we wanted to spend. Um, but for my accident, uh, basically we ended up spending forty two on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what happened was there, my partner Matt uh, spent, uh, or I went and checked the bids and I, on Sunday, and I saw sixty four on on Duggar. I'm like, what's going on here? And we were just both busy with with other stuff. And I didn't really check it, and I sent just a, a message uh, sixty four on Duggar, and he sent me back a question mark. And, uh, and so I'm like, okay, well, he must really like him. So we got some money. Let me just drop it down to the forties so we can like maybe, maybe at least get him. Uh, turns out it was my own fat finger mistake. I meant to put $6 in the middle and <laughs> ended up putting 64 in him at the top. So we got him. Let's hope for the best. It happens. Like, I think he's, he's good to run out while he's playing, especially the matchups this week. Like all those lefty giants, it stinks. Alex Dickerson left hurt already on Tuesday. Cause that's a guy that. Would have been in line for a big week, but you know, Talkman hit a granny. Like, there's so many lefties in this lineup that are just, yeah. um, and they're cheap, very cheap, and they're going to keep running them out there. So, uh, there's something to it there. You hinted at it, like I said, with the Oliveris uh, discussion there. 
the fab acquisitions now, like going forward this year, there's already been so much money spent because of all these injuries. Like it feels like more than normal. I know there's always some big guys here and there, but it seems like week mm-hmm. in and week out, Vlad, there's multiple hundred dollar guys, or at least early on. It was just crazy, crazy stuff out there. How, well, first off, how do your budgets look? Cause it is fun kind of seeing league to league. Are you like still half full? Are you like a third full? What, what's your kind of overall budget situation looking like? It's not good. It's uh, it, it's really not my style either. I usually have a ton of money uh, for the last, you know, basically after the All Star game. I'm usually one of the one of the people in my leagues that have you know more than more than most. And right now, I'm I'm kind of hovering around two to three hundred in most spots. And uh, I think I only have one team that has more than five hundred. Um, and that feels like a very uncomfortable position to be in. And in preparation for another podcast, I went back and I looked at all my fab. And, and my acquisitions over the course of the year. And I'm just noticing a lot of mistakes, just a lot of uh, kind of, you know, just, just overbidding, overspending, chasing closers. Um, you know, it, for example, it's one thing that I picked up Josh Stalmont for, for 120 and I got some saves out of him, but I was too quick to drop him. And, uh, if, and all of a sudden, instead of like what was expected to be a three wick guy, stint based on very minimal news and being the minimum, and I can't even get them back because I don't have the, the, the resources and the funds to get them back. So I'm going to try to be careful rest of the season and not, you know, not really chase and spend more uh, time setting the conditionals as properly as possible. Yeah, no, and that's, that's kind of where I'm already at on some leagues. Cause I'm with you. I have some leagues where I have like less than 200 bucks and it's terrifying. And it's, it's just part of it's been like kind of what you're saying is I probably spent too much on certain guys. Like I didn't, I was never breaking the bank, but I was going like 42 instead of going like 12 or stuff yeah. like that, where it adds up quickly after, mm-hmm. after a while. So it's little things like that. And um, when you look back at it, but um, how are you going to, how would you recommend going about it? Cause I think your Oliveris comment is a good point to it. I know I've tried to look at like, that's how I got Haas a few weeks ago. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. he's playing like they were playing him at first base a couple of days. I'm like, well, they're going to play him every day. He's catcher eligible. Let's give it a shot. So I got them for a couple bucks a week early. You mm. got to try to find these week early guys. So how do you recommend people kind of go about this to try to maximize the little funds they might have left? So I think if you're if you're looking at a lot of resources, you look at you know my fab article and and some of the other great ones out there, you kind of get a sense of, and even without looking at them, a lot of times you get a sense of who are going to be the, the the top bids at the week of the week per position. And, and, and I feel like what a lot of us do is we will put even the guys at the, those guys at the top, no matter what, and we'll never really adjust and move, you know, somebody else below that, uh, or, or a guy that we know we can get cheaper. We'll never move them ahead of those guys because, you know, it'd be nice if we, basically, if you, you end up with your fallback plan. So, you know, I think in some respects, it, it makes sense to really sort of key in on a couple of guys that maybe aren't necessarily popular, but that you see some value, whether it's just for the week or, you know, or long term, and maybe bump them a couple spots ahead of consensus to kind of lock yourself in on that. And you can do that on, you know, multiple teams across the board. Like for me, just, you know, happen to be Oliveris for someone else who could have been Dugar, but just, you know, somebody that you're pretty sure you can get, that you'll probably land if you know, if you don't get, you know, kind of all those top guys, I mean, that's kind of a good place to start. I think no, that's a very, very good point. Um, how much do you, cause one of the, like you've talked, I, I've heard you talk recently, you use the roster resource tool, which is phenomenal. And, and it's always changing. It's just a great way to just kind of get a feel on what's going on, who's playing where so on and so forth. They have good grids for the uh, relief pitchers and all kinds of deals, like know who's getting what roles mm-hmm. and that stuff. Um, 
I also like to use the Rotowire like two week um, kind of starting pitcher grids. Oh, I have um, that up. Yeah, that, like that's nonstop. like a religious. That's a religious. Mm-hmm. Like one of my tabs on my iPad when I open mm-hmm. it up, it's it's up all the time. I just update yep. the date basically. Yep. Um. So how much when you're doing bids? I guess is one way we can kind of help people. Do you go okay? I'm not even looking at this week. Let's look at next week and get these guys for like a buck or two bucks or something. Mm-hmm. How much are you doing that kind of stuff? It's it's a little tougher this season because sure. we we have a lot of stashes and um, that that's something that again that's not by design but you know going into a season I want to have like you know one stash on the bench and you know I drafted Carrasco that was my plan on my main event team and then before you know it uh, I had to, I had to have Gonsolin. Uh, and, uh, you know, oh, Gallon, come, I have to add him. Oh, my God, Voigt got hurt. Oh, well, yeah. can't drop him. Before you know it, you got a whole bench of this. So you don't have, you basically hamstring yourself and you don't have a lot of flexibility to really, you know, so you almost have to play it week, week to week. One of the things I like to do is maybe project out even beyond that two weeks and kind of see who, uh, who a pitcher, uh, who these pitchers line up for over the next few weeks to gauge whether I'm going to be dropping them or not. Like, for example, you know, Griffin Canning isn't somebody that I, I actually even really like, but I liked his matchups coming up. It was like you know, home Detroit, home Royals or whatever. And then that's somebody that because I'm looking at the new next two, three weeks and he's usable, that's someone I'm going to bump up on my priority. Meanwhile, let's say Merrill Kelly goes to at Dodgers, at Rockies, you know, that that's someone I can foresee as a drop. So that's how I'm looking at it in like, you know, sort of compartmentalize it and look at it in those like two, three week windows. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Expanding it actually makes a lot of sense because you can kind of really see the, the the cuts have been so difficult this year. Like you said, it's because you want to hold these guys because you know how good they are, but then eventually you just got to break ties with them. Like you mentioned the Stallmont deal. I've um I did the India and other guys, and now all of a sudden they're back. I'm like, oh, well, that'd be nice to have them back, but it's, it's just not going to happen. So um yeah, I'm 100% with you there. When um you, you mentioned trying to save all your money or at least half your money for after the all-star break. Obviously that's not happening now. And I, I know we've, we've talked about it. You've talked about it. You, you want to have an, like a certain chunk for like that last, mm-hmm. you know, four to six week run. You really need to have some cash because you don't want to be just sitting on empty and praying your team stays healthy. Um, with the craziness has taken place this year. How much, are, what's your target number for that end game? Cause it used to be like a hundred, 200 bucks. Yeah. You're almost there right now in certain leagues. So what's your target number down the stretch? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm going to just have to be really tight. Um, basically the rest of the season. I mean, it's, ba- it, we still have, uh, you know, what, another 14 bidding weeks. Uh, that's, uh, that's quite a lot, maybe 13, something like that. Uh, just have to get tighter as far as what I'm spending on and just know that, uh, these, these, these prospects that are coming up, they're going to be guys that are, that are getting called up that haven't been drafted. Um, I'm not going to be in the, uh, uh, in the mix for those. So I have a less, you know, smaller margin for error to really have, you know, really get that guy that that's a true difference maker. And I'm just going to have to keep grinding. Um, one of the people that I, that I really look up to, who's a, a phenomenal player who I've learned a lot from just like by being in his leagues and getting my butt kicked by him is uh Steve Jupinka. He's a, he's an NFBC hall of famer. And uh, uh, you really never see him spending giant chunks uh, $300, $400. You see him grinding every single week. It's, you know, it's 20 here, it's 30 there, it's eight, seven. And uh, it just works for him. Just always, you know, kind of targeting those, those right guys that, that, you know, have, have some, you know, some status for you. Cause if you really think every week before you start your bidding and you think 
and realize it, it what's it come down to $27 per week or something like that is what you have to spend. And if you're spending, you know, 120, 110 almost every week, of course you're going to be off, off track. Uh, yeah. The good thing is over the la- last couple months, a lot of teams are sort of in the same boat as you. So just the bid amounts in general go down. Like, of course there'll always be like somebody spending 200 on someone who still has money left, but you're going to be able to get guys uh, sort of more affordably. And, and now I'm starting dollar days. Like I, I usually never bid a dollar uh, because I don't want, you know, someone, you know, I don't want to tie with somebody. And if there's a tiebreaker because of standings, I don't get them. So I'll always go two. Uh, but lately I've been, you know, getting guys I like for, for a buck and it, it's been working out. It's been wild seeing some of the guys that go. And I think it could go back to your, one of your earlier comments is, you know, your column and other people's columns, they see the similar guys towards the top. And so they're just throwing those there and they forget to even put conditionals in on some of these guys. And all of a sudden guys that I thought were kind of like worth five or six bucks, I'll put in five or six bucks and they're going with no backup bid. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking, oh, that could have been a nice, like, it sounds silly, but those $4 is going to be very important in a few, mm-hmm. <laughs> in a few weeks. So it's, I, I'm already looking at that now, like kind of kicking myself. Like you, you, um, you tweet it out a lot when you have those bids where you're like write the same number or you're real close and you win them and stuff like the gut instinct there. Do you enjoy those more or do you regret the ones where you spent a ton and there's no backup bid? Like which one gives uh-huh. like, you know what I'm saying? One's yeah, really, really yeah. joyful. One, which one's worse or good? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's worse. The, yeah. the, the losing. Yeah. It, yeah. You just, you just don't want to, you just really don't want to. So it depends though. If in a majority of leagues, uh, it, this person's going competitively and you know, my bid is slightly above what the majority is. That's fine. But if my, my one league is the outlier and people didn't bid because whatever that I don't feel as bad about that. I mean, that yeah. just happens. It happens. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. That's why I, I, I try to do, I thought you probably do in others is how much do they go for in other leagues? Like did mm-hmm. I, at least am I in the ballpark? Cause that is the weirdest thing with fab is you see it every Sunday, people are tweeting it out or you go look it up and, you know, your league might have gone for X amount. And this other league went for this. And, it's, mm-hmm. and there's no rhyme or reason half the time. Yeah. And it's just like really annoying sometimes and really good sometimes. So it's uh, just the, the ups and downs of the whole deal. Um, you've talked about 12 team leagues, which you have just been uh, just machining throughout your entire career. You're very, very good in the 15s also, not discounting that. Mm-hmm. But your 12 team success, you tweeted it out before the season. It's it's ridiculous. Um, and the fab's very, very different in those two leagues. And I'm learning that the more and more I started doing NFPC the last few years. How would you recommend it? Like, how would you foresee it maybe going this year, the 12 and the 15 for like the dollar day situation? Because you can get guys cheaper in 12s mm-hmm. more often than not. So, how would you kind of uh, recommend people in like a 12 approaching things compared to like a 15? Yeah, I mean, with the 12s, at least in FBC, there's a wide uh, range of, of of competitiveness in them, right? I mean, if you if you have if you you know if you buy the three pack, you could have one league where you're looking at the free agent options, and usually they're plentiful in, in 12s, but just there's always that one twelve you have where there's just nobody there. You have a nice competitive league. Usually it's those dumb ones we get in because we have like draft fever in February. So we invite all of our friends like, Hey, John fish, come on over. Like, do I really <laughs> want to play against John fish? You know? So, uh, you know, that, those are the type of leagues where those things happen in. Um, but I mean, yeah, you, a lot of times people aren't even, there aren't even backup bits. And I know a lot of my success in 12 teamers is because I don't quit uh, after the Ulster break, when teams have faded or where they're like, they're not in the hunt, they feel like they're not in the hunt because the prizes are only to first and second, they stop bidding. So at that point, I'm able to get everybody I want, two, three, six dollars. Um, and that's how it works out. And then you keep that turning, turning, uh, turning and burning. You end up landing on some, some absolute gems. 
not to mention people drop good players too. And sometimes you're just, you know, you're picking up some studs and catch them at the right time. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Is unfortunately, as much as we always want to say, like we're in competitive leagues, football runs the world. And if teams are out of it, baseball such a long year, you just kind of like, I'm out. Like I just, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think I ever do that, but everyone's got a flaw somewhere along the line, yeah. but um, it, it's very possible. And you mentioned his name and he shows up. So he said he wants to let you know that he can't uh, <sighs> say no though. So John is, <laughs> <Yeah>. is watching. <laughs> he can't, I give him, I, we all do it, but I gave him a hard time. Yeah. He came on the show before the season. I'm like, how many leagues are you not in? That might be the quicker question because yeah. you're in yeah. everything right now. It's crazy. But um yeah, that, that, I think that's pretty much going to wrap up our fab discussion. There's so many ways to go about it. It's just more of a – it's such a weird year like we talked about with so many crazy injuries, and everyone's been – like I haven't seen so many triple-digit ads this early, it feels like. You're usually waiting mm-hmm. for like the prospects you talked about and everything. We, we've we only really had a couple of them. Like we can't even – Coar's not going to be available this weekend, and there's some other guys. So it's just – you mentioned um, – you kind of hinted Brujan will be a guy. There's going to be a couple more. It's going to be pretty wild, but um, – yeah. Yeah, we're gonna see how that goes. It's gonna be, it'll be interesting to see how much they go for because no one's gonna have any money, as you said. So, mm-hmm. um, I just want to get your thoughts on a couple of players, and we'll do some listener questions and uh, and head on out of here. But just some names that we've seen some news on lately. Jared Kalenic obviously got sent back down on Monday. You know, hit the home run, I think, his second or third game, and then he's just been in a like a cold spell of all cold spells. It happens. It does happen. Uh, he's probably gonna go down and hit in AAA and be just fine when he gets called back up because he will be. How do you kind of approach him in that second run? Ah, uh, well, I personally wish I had, would have the, uh, the the funds. And and the other thing is, I think there aren't going to be a lot of leagues where where he gets dropped, or at least um, you would you would hope not. Like that feels like somebody that if you are able to hold, you you want to be able to hold. I feel like it's a little bit of a different situation than uh, than a kiss and hero, for example. True. Uh, who you know who I didn't draft. But I was all over him in Fab. I'm like, oh, this is the the perfect recipe. This is this has worked for me for years. You know, guy, you know, just you know, he fixes himself in AAA, and yeah. you know, but but that was a good thing that I noticed. Actually, we were talking about it with DVR. Like he didn't actually fix his K rate, right? He was still striking out, still kind of doing the same thing. There was no real plate approach or, or change, so there was no magic to happen with him. With Kalenic, with Kalenic, I think it's it's a little bit different. I think because. I think there's also that the 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 mental uh, aspect element of it where I feel like he he feels like he disappointed the team uh, or the fans right and and he's he's going into the minors with a chip in his shoulder with this over 38 or whatever it is streak uh so I think he's just going to just going to get his stuff together and grind and then come back and mash so um my approach would be to just you know jump on him as soon as I could if somebody was to drop him in a league of mine yeah I'm curious to see a where he gets dropped as you mentioned and B, if it's not till like September when he comes back, I think it'll be sooner. I really do. Yeah. But say it's even August. How much money is everyone going to have? Like he might go for like mm-hmm. 30, 40 bucks in the grand scheme of things. And that's going to make things really interesting. That because he mm-hmm. li- he's got the talent to go on a month and a half run or something. That'll be yeah. a game changer for those that are competing, as you mentioned. So that's why I wanted to just talk about him because I think it's interesting. And you mentioned the pressure part. He wasn't just a prospect that got called up. There was all the drama before that. Like mm-hmm. he was fighting the the help being held down thing, all those. So he had to come up and produce in his head, and he didn't. So it just kind of weighs on you more and more. Now he goes back and realizes I see ball, I hit ball. Like it's going yeah. to be back to normal. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not worried about him long term. I'm just curious, like who does drop him and where could be very fun. That's another thing we didn't talk about in the fab with all the craziness right now. Sometimes who gets dropped each week is more important than who's yeah. still on the waiver wire because they will be going to the wire. But 
there's a lot of rage dropping and guys just have to get mm-hmm. dropped because of conditions. So another thing to catch on to, they might not be playing well, but you get them cheap and hope they come back. Yep. Uh, Byron Buxton is starting his rehab assignment on Tuesday. He started it today as we're recording. Um, he's more, I, I call him, he's more a uh, major league two Willie Mays Hayes where he's, <laughs> he's hitting for power and kind of steals once in a while. Yeah. Um, are you, I know this is a weird question because he has to stay healthy, but he, he had a stint on the, the IL. So we hope he's back. Are you a believer in him? He's probably not available in any leagues, but um, are, are you a believer in this change we've seen from Byron Buxton? Oh, yeah, abs- abs- absolutely. I am. Uh, oh, part of me wishes I got more shares. And then when, uh, you know, the price was just high. And then, of course, when he gets hurt, you're like, ah, you know, good thing I didn't. Um, but man, the, the damage that he did in the 24 games he was up was just was insane. Absolute insanity. Um, hadn't had he not, here's the thing. Had he not got hurt? Um, I don't think you can necessarily say, oh, you know, his numbers would be off the hook and he'd be a top three, four player. Chances are he would have gotten hurt some other way. I hate to say it. It just kind of just feels like that. So, um, so much of what happens the rest of the year and what he does with his healthy time. Um, so long he doesn't get hurt again, it's going to play a massive part in, uh, in next year's value. Um, and he could end up being, you know, if he comes back and then just mashes for the rest of the season or for a good chunk of it, he's going to be like a first round player. And that to me, I think is going to be just risk that I don't think that I'm going to be able to handle. Like imagine like he comes back and maybe not at this pace, but like, you know, he ends up still hitting 30 home runs just by missing a month and a half and 20 steals or whatever. Like people are going to want to get in on that, but the price tag is going to be super high because the hype that comes with it. Oh yeah. He's a better out of both the Mondesi. Like he's, he's, yeah. he's, we saw that hype train. So it's definitely going to happen. And when there's a, a regular listener to the Bob and the bat flip show, who um, he's the president. We call him the president of the Byron Buxton fan club because about right before he got hurt, he says bold prediction that Byron Buxton will be a first round pick next year. So that hype's mm-hmm. already started when he was playing well. So you, like you said, if he does it again, it will happen. Uh, the other reason I wanted to bring up Buxton is you have Kirilov who was yeah. playing well before he got hurt. He hasn't really got back yet, but I'm not too worried about him. You have Trevor Larnack who has been up and down. His OBP mm-hmm. skills are great. Great for those mm-hmm. formats. Average, not so much, but he's been good. Mm-hmm. You have garlic who faces lefties. Um, there's a lot of different things going on in Minnesota. When Buxton comes back, though, obviously Larnack could be the odd man out because I think they still want garlic to kind of platoon, mm-hmm. uh, but it is right. There's a lot going on there. How do you go about some of these young guys that, uh, that we are using now that might be more of a platoon player? What they need to do really is they need to they need to, uh, uh, to absolve them. Uh, how'd you guess? How'd you know yeah, what I was going to say? It makes too much sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put Kirilov at first. Get rid of Snow. Call yes, it good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. You see, yeah, you stole my line. That's exactly what I think they should be doing. They're they're loaded there, and uh, I mean, they even got Ref Snyder back in the mix. Uh, Kepler will come back at a certain point. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, that's what they need to do. I'm really hoping that Larnack is not the one that uh, the false victim that would have to happen with if he's hitting, he's not going anywhere. They'll, yeah. they'll, they'll make it work for him, especially with the on base skills. But, um, but if it happens to coincide with, uh, with a slump that can end up, uh, that can end up hurting him. And that's where it leads me to, if they do send him down, do you hold him like he's not Jared Kalinick, but yeah. do you hold him like he is? Because you know he'll come back, and you know the skills he has, and it's going to cost you a lot when he comes back. Uh, yeah, the, the the one factor there is the 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 it might be uh, you know uh, that's it for Nelson Cruz, just like with these injuries continuing to pop True. up like they True. did a few years ago. So there could be that that roster spot open. Um, the the one other thing I wanted to mention, just because this like aha moment came to me um, about Byron Buxton and his value, so. He he left when he got hurt. He was hitting 370. 
Um, so had he played and he not got hurt and played through the whole season, that there was going to be some big slump there that yeah. was going to significantly take down his average. Now his year end average is going to be, it could even be over 300 for, for all we know. And that is going to be an outlier, but it's going to be something that sticks to people. And it's going to make his value even higher than it should be. So that's one thing I think people should be careful of like, you know, where does Buxton end up with his average? Because had he played the whole year, he could have fallen to 260 for all we know. That's a great point. That's a very good point because he basically got his could have got his slump out of the way, but it's sitting on the IL. So that's yep. a and and you know it it happens to many people, even the best of them. Yep, they'll just look at that stat line and go, oh, yep, okay, <laughs> not so much. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Baltimore Orioles. We talked about the relievers earlier, and it's a sneaky good bullpen. Like I, the Orioles, the Tigers, even sometimes the Pirates, the Marlins. Some of these teams that aren't Marlins actually good this year, so that's not fair. Mm-hmm. But um, some of these teams that usually aren't winning teams they're still very fantasy relevant teams yeah and the orioles are great for it like they're stackable almost every day mm-hmm. um and they have these they have mullins they have santander they have mount castle they have big dj stewart basically what i wanted from you because i know you're a dj stewart fan so i want to see where you do this how do you rank their four main outfielders going forward in fantasy uh yeah so it's funny because because sometimes there's like a line of um of you know shtick and and like what i think is comedy and maybe some people sometimes taking me too seriously like like you know like i i've always you know liked nick pavetta but i didn't think he's gonna be like a superstar and same thing with like you know dj stewart he just he is who he is but like they're just guys you know you just kind of have fun with or whatever i don't think dj stewart is in their kind of class because he's not a good all-around uh hitter and he can only hit righties basically um, but he does have some really solid power, uh, like really strong power. But he's last in that group to me. Uh, Cedric Mullins is, I think, the top guy. Uh, so Mancini aside, Mancini is their best, uh, their best hitter. Uh, Mullins uh, is is really something where he he locked in after dropping the the hitting from the other side of the plate, not being a switch hitter anymore, and something's really clicked for him. And I think what we're seeing from him is, is, is sustainable. Like the guy is just, uh, he's mashing. I think that'll continue. So I like him first, uh, Mount Castle ahead of uh, Santander, um, you know, just slightly. That's my preference there. And then DJ Stewart, fourth of the fourth of them. But if we get like a DJ Stewart, like I want to be in, and I know you do too, on that DJ Stewart from last year. Remember it was like the 10 day span. It was so where- good. So good. Like 2K on DK every day. And just, it was yeah. glorious. Yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely glorious. Uh-huh. And it's going to happen too. It will happen. At least there'll be one run this year where he just goes bananas yep. because somebody will get hurt and they'll be out for a week or something. And it'll be seven games in Camden against mm-hmm. some just powder puff pitchers. It's going to be beautiful. Like yep. It will happen. They so, call again, the wisdom. It, yep. There you go. There you go. It's going to happen for sure. Um, Another guy that you added in a few leagues this week, and I, I do like this ad. I think there's going to be a spot for him for a little while here in Atlanta. Is Tucker Davidson, the lefty? He's going to make his third start on Wednesday. Um, he's made two pretty good starts so far, and kind of spot starts. Had good minor league numbers. I know you put some bids in for him. Was it more of a let's just use him now, or do you kind of see a, a path where you're going to use him for pretty much the rest of the season? There are certain guys that fit. Um... A specific profile where there there's something a little um, extra, or there's a little bit extra pizzazz when they're playing for a team that is really good, uh, that puts them in line for you know for for longer work for um, uh, for a win, uh, and, and for whatever reason, like we're seeing out of you know outside of Mar- what, Tim, what Martin Perez did tonight, but like Martin Perez, Nick Pavetta, like these guys are fantasy viable. They're playing for teams that are that are winning, and. Uh, that's kind of a situation that Tucker Davidson could step into um, if he can hold on that to that spot. 
And my thinking is that fifth spot is it's, it's kind of up in the air, but it's, it's valuable. Um, but it, it's also competitive, right? You've always had Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright kind of fighting for it. At some point, Sirocco will come back. So he could assert himself in that rotation. And, and, and for all we know, he could be a pit. It could very easily be a better pitcher than Drew Smiley the rest of the year, right? He's, you know, he's 25 is, you know, healthier. And so we'll see, there's something there that was like, is worth bidding on more than, than like, you know, like a Keegan Aiken, for example, who's uh, an AL East guy uh, or, or, you know, somebody from the six man rotation from Seattle, like, you know, like a Justin Dunn or, or you know, the six man uh, angels with, with Patrick Sandoval. Like you don't know when those guys are going to start, but here a five man on a good team, sometimes in a lot of pitchers parks, something there worth, uh, worth throwing money on. I like that. Cause yeah, no, I liked what I've seen in the first two starts and at least he's shown, that in the minors, he was not like a fluky two-start thing. So mm-hmm. I just think it's funny because we've talked about so many young Atlanta Braves pitchers over like the last year and a half, and I never really heard his name ever mentioned in those discussions. And mm-hmm. here he is. He might be the last one standing before we're all said and done, which is baseball in a nutshell for you. Um, some listener questions for you. I know you talked to Billy B on uh, Twitter a bit, but I think it's pretty funny because uh, he always has good questions, entertaining questions. And he says, who was the greatest Russian hockey player and why was it fest? I'm going to mess it. Fetisov. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, that uh, Vyacheslav Fetisov was like, he was one of the first um, hockey players, like when that influx of Russians came to the Red Wings and he was, you know, he was on the the Russian team that got beat in the 80 Olympics. Uh, he's just, you know, uh, considered like, a, you know, like the great, one of the great. So as far as defense is concerned, he's like the best defensive Russian hockey player of all time. Offensive, it could be a lot of people, right? It could be Bure, Fedorov, Mogilny, Ovechkin, obviously. So many good guys. So I think that's just like an open question where, there, you know, there isn't necessarily a definitive answer. Yeah, I I think it's amazing. Um, a, I've heard your backstory. I think pretty much anybody that's listening to this show knows your backstory with the the hockey players that your families are friends with and everything. And it's just it's just crazy because I've become a bigger fan of hockey in recent years. Once I started going to Sharks games and stuff, yeah. it's just a it's a different animal. It's like it's hard to explain to people because I get so boring. I said, go to one mm-hmm. game in person, mm-hmm. and it'll change everything for you. Like not all sports are like this. This one will, I promise. And it's it's awesome. And now you got playoff hockey right now, which. Whew. <laughs> that's that uh, might be better as I'm a diehard baseball fan, but playoff yeah. hockey might take the cake on that one. It's yeah, it's, it's really phenomenal. Um, and, and fantasy hockey is kind of a sneaky, good fantasy sport too, for people that really get into it. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I would love to have, I would love to do it. I used to play basketball, don't play basketball anymore. Hockey. I could see being very, very fun though. I'm with mm-hmm. you on that. Um, I had a, a guy DM me a couple days ago and just mentioned, can you bring it up on the next show? So I'll, I'll bring it up on the next show. Uh, Seth Fox, he asks, um, what do you do with the, uh, yeah, Monty Grandal. He's hitting 153, but he's walking almost tw- uh, over 28% of the time. He's still hit nine home runs. So if you're not in an OBP league, he is really, really hurting you. Otherwise he's been great. So mm-hmm. what are you doing with a guy like Grandal? Um, at first when you said Seth Fox, like, wait, I don't know that. I don't know that major league player, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still, you guys, Grandal. It's uh, one of the better hitting catchers in a position that is, is really shallow. There's uh there's really not much you can do if you have him because you can't really sell low, but I mean, look at that walk rate. Like it's like a record breaking walk rate. It's basically 28% at this point. So like one every four times he comes up to the plate, the guy's he's getting on base. That's uh, a really good thing. Uh, the other thing um, is that he he was Tony Larusa was messing with it. Like you have yeah. your best on base 
base guy was hitting sixth in the lineup. That didn't really make any sense. And there was a little uh, correlation. He started hitting some more homers and, and hitting well when he uh, he moved up to second in the lineup. And then he was kind of bouncing all over the place. It took Eloy and Robert injuries for that to happen. Uh, but that's a good spot for him. And then when you think about it, he's on pace outside of the average. He's he's never a good average guy. His career, you know, he's under 240 for his career. Uh, but he's got nine home runs with 20 RBIs and, you know, over the course of the season, that's what 25 and, and 60 or 80, whatever that's, that's on pace. So what's, you know, what's wrong with that? So I'm fine. I think you hold Grundahl if you have him. Yeah. The average is going to stink, but a average is down everywhere this year. So it's not yep. as big, I guess. And I still think it's maybe at least a 220 by end of the season. So yeah. you're going to have a heck of a stretch for you coming up. Like a, heck of a stretch. If you've, if you've gone through the bad times, Stick it out a little longer for the good yeah. times because yeah. he still is a very talented hitter, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, John Fish wants to know uh, what's it like being a legend like yourself, Flood? That was, that was, that was his question. That was his question. So I, I had to ask it. Yeah, I, I I don't know, John. How does it feel to be a legend like yourself? Yeah, John's a hell of a player. Like he, he sees something else. Uh, Drew Forte asks, with lots of fab being spent already, bids are starting to tighten up. We kind of talked about this, but how do you decide which players are worth for the extra money as your fab dwindles? And does smaller fab affect what you are bidding on? Um, it doesn't affect what I'm bidding on. It just it moves everything um, just just down and uh, as far as tiers or like what I'm spending. So now I'm thinking and, and thinking differently uh, and I'm thinking more percentage of my budget. Um, and what was the first part of that question? Um, how, how do you know when to spend extra money on a player? At that point, you almost don't have extra money, but mm-hmm. you, you, you know, it goes back to what you were talking about earlier in the show. If there's somebody you, you really believe in that you feels like kind of everyone's missing out on or falling under the radar, you know, don't leave them fifth in your conditionals. Make sure you get them because what ends up happening a lot of times is that person that you really you're really feeling uh, is, is going to do well, and you, you missed out on them because you got somebody higher just because you were kind of like auto bidding based on you know preference and, and people's general order. You miss out on that person, and then you miss out on on the run that they end up happening uh, or receiving. So you like someone, make sure you put yourself in a position to get them. I guess I, I should have asked you this earlier as well. With having a smaller budget left over, do you focus more on statistical categories you need or is it more positional players you need on your roster? So in uh, in, in 15 teamers, you're just kind of you're grasping for straws. You'd like to get somebody that you that has the ability to stick on your team for for the entire season. Um, and, uh, in 12 teamers, you're basically a lot of times just picking up fallen talent, right? Uh, some, you know, people are dropping good players every week. I want to collect as many of those as I can for as little price as I can. So that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to, I'm always, the goal is always to, to fill a roster, uh, fully and optimally every week in both 15 and 12, uh, but also make my team consistently better um every week and just kind of build um you know more of a staple that i can rely on um over the course of the whole season good point uh little book of calm asks as a two-parter i'm fairly new to roto as a format and i'm trying to figure out how to shore up my weaknesses it's a deep 12 team roto average and obp league Mm -hmm. his obp and power are fine but his average is very middling at sixth place, which I don't think is that bad at this point in time. Yeah. And he's also light on stolen base in sixth place. Not that mm-hmm. bad. So his question, would you drop Schwarber, Eddie Rosario, or Avisil Garcia, one of those three, for Edward Olivares? Um, in, no, I wouldn't. It's Not a close. Yeah, no, it's a close. It's a, 
unless it's like a national kind of competition, there's no reason to kind of shoot for the stars with a, with a rookie, uh, especially when that rookie can get sent down the next week. So those guys are salt. Like I was tell Garcia, I, I feel like he's always like super underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a good hitter. It's a good park for that. Um, Eddie Rosario, Eddie, the Eagle used no drop. And if I'm not mistaken, he's not a great um, walks guy, right? He's always pretty yeah. low. And I'm guessing he's low again this year. He's going to get hot at some point. It's, you know, yep. it's Eddie, it's Eddie Eagle. He's got that, uh, the, the, the good uh, bat flip karma. So he, yes. he's got some goods to come into him. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I'd, I'd hang on a little longer. He says, would you look to maybe trade instead? If you can get a trade that's worth it, sure. But I, and, I wouldn't be dropping for Oliver, so that's for sure. And I wouldn't drop uh, I wouldn't drop Schwarber before the summer of Schwarber. Like, he's no. about to hit a million bombs. Yeah, because you know what they did on Tuesday, Vlad? They moved him to leadoff. Yes. Yeah, I was so yes. happy to see that. We saw that in Chicago. He's got decent OBP skills, but now you also put him in leadoff there in front of Soto and company and Turner. Mm-hmm. How many more pitches he's going to see to hit? Like, oh, yep. boy. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. Um, at SMMS79 says, Vlad, if and when you have gone against the gut, what were some factors that pushed you to do so? Statistical analysis, advice from another player. We'll be curious to hear more about your process if maybe the gut is letting you down on a given day. Gut it lets me down when I start thinking, uh, when I start overthinking basically. So, or if I start polling people, like anytime it's always the worst thing, you know, you have a smart collection of friends, but everyone has their, uh, their difference of opinions and you can have four great NFBC players or just any fantasy players, uh, have completely different opinions or different ways that they're building teams. And you start kind of, you know, you asking around and you sort of forget your original thought, right? It's it's similar to DFS. Like you have that gut. You're like, oh, I, I love DJ Stewart today. And then somehow you, you're making lineups, you're tweaking, you read, you read something here, you read something there, you jump in some chat. Before you know it, you tweak DJ Stewart out of your lineup. So yep. the, the more you overthink things, just, you know, that, that initial reaction, especially for um, seasoned uh, player and watched a lot of baseball, played a lot of fantasy and, and, kind of gather a lot of tendencies you can't go against that initial reaction so it's whenever i start overthinking is when that starts to happen uh simon p asks um i know vlad is a hockey fan so i'd love to know who he roots for and his take on my team the habs do they have a chance against the winner of the abs and the knights um unfortunately i haven't i haven't been following uh hockey this season as much as i had in the past like this is what happens when you when you draft a million fantasy baseball teams uh i uh i am following enough to kind of know where the series is uh, series are and everything i mean i do think that the abs are probably gonna gonna win the cup but i mean habs have you know history on their side they have you know amazing goaltending right now and uh, a pretty good solid overall team so i don't see why they can't win at all yeah, that Avs, that that, that uh, Colorado team is something crazy right now. They're looking yeah. really good. Uh, he does have a baseball question though. He, it's kind of tongue in cheek, but it's who's actually good on the Rockies? Would you want any on your roster if, say, they didn't play for the Rockies? Like we know, it's kind of the joke yeah. of you know they always screw with us. So who would you? Who do you think is actually good that I guess he could hold and hope they play, or like uh, you'd like on your team? Well, Sam Hilliard, of course. And, yeah, and don't, don't get me started on that. That's that's a sore oh. subject for you and me both. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I mean, obviously, Trevor Story. Uh, outside of, you know, obviously, if you're looking at the splits and hit course of his career in cores versus against, I mean, it's, yes, it's a stark difference, um, but that's the case for everybody. It's just it's just basic, you know, it's just elevation. I mean, really, what, what else can you say? That ballpark and everything. Um 
a lot of these guys, like like Charlie Blackman, I don't think would be any good anymore if he wasn't in Colorado. I mean, he's already kind of having a, a pretty poor season. But a lot of these guys, I mean, this is a really not good roster. A lot of these guys are, are really bulked up or, you know, sort of um, magnified because they're in cores. Like even, you know, Garrett Hampson, I love Garrett Hampson because I think, he could, you know, I've always drafted him because I think he could steal a lot of bases if he gets the playing time. But you take Garrett Hampson, you know, out of Colorado, you, you don't have much. So I don't even know, man. I'm losing my confidence completely because, I mean, I loved C.J. Crone. He was crushing it, and, and, you know. It's like, oh, my 300th overall C.J. Crone in February, man. It's going to win me all the leagues. And the guy can't even get the ball. In the, it can't can't hit. It's really sad. And he's sitting today on Tuesday. Yeah, he's platooning with Matt Adams. That's all you need to know. Yikes. That's Yikes. all you need to know. Um, Sean asks, so far, what breakouts seem legit and have the best chance, not just being a hot month or so, like Rodon, Garcia, Vlad, Winker, Kat, so many guys. Um, is there one guy that really stands out like this is legit? It's not just a fluky thing. I think um, I think I also have to dig a little deeper because the obvious ones, um, you, you they pretty much are who they are, and they were expected to be. Maybe maybe not everyone expected them to be, but a lot of people did. Like Vladimir Guerrero is, is just it's no shock, and it's going to be one of the best players in the league for many years to come. Uh, Jesse Winker is up there too. The guy is a really good all around baseball player, and I liked him a lot. Uh, but then there was that that one uh, interview I did with the three uh, goats, the three NFBC Hall of Famers. And I asked them, like, you know, who's going to kind of have like that breakout this year? And Lindy Hinkleman, who's you know two time NFBC champion and you know highest winning person one season, his hitter was Winker, right? So that you know it's another thing you start thinking about. And so those type of things aren't surprises to me. Um, the one guy I think that could stick for the rest of the year is Adolis Garcia, is hitting in the middle of that lineup. He's gonna he's quieted down a little bit he's you know he may not hit um another you know 2500 he may not stick to that same pace but i think he should stick with in the lineup all season and continue to play like they already they just got rid of chris davis there so uh even like you know when david Dahl comes back and everybody's healthy i i still think adults garcia is going to be viable all season yeah i'm with you there that's why i haven't looked and seen how the cut line went but i'm curious how much he was going for we'll have to check that out a little later but uh, two more questions for you Dave Petrosiello asks, with apologies to Bubba and listeners, with Vlad on the show, I have to bring up the Diamond Challenge. In all my stubbornness, I'm finally picking up Vlad Jr. Couldn't fade him any longer. I'm probably as bitter about Vlad as Toby is, except Toby is much better sport than I am. I'm a poor sport. My question is, is Crone at $850,000 a drop? I just dropped him on my team because the other option was Bubba's boy, Trey Boo Boo Mancini, uh-huh. and they're the same salary. We all ho- we all hyped up Crone. But I think we were wrong. And tonight again, he's sitting versus Matt Adams. So just what we talked about. Yeah. So is is he droppable? Yeah, it's funny. Petro, uh, uh, Dave, I've known uh, because he's played the Diamond Challenge with us for for 15 years. So I, you know, I've known him online basically for a long time. He's won the overall there twice, and that's why oh, it's wow. just so funny seeing him like asking. You know, he's always like <laughs> asking questions or whatever. Like, but dude, you kind of know. But his number one, his Achilles heel is his stubbornness. Like he just gets locked in on you know players, whatever, and he kind of can't move off of it. So. You know, obviously, you made that Vlad Guerrero mistake, and now you picked up. That's good. There's no really reason to stick to to CJ Crone because I've looked at those salaries. I'm seeing players in that in those ranges, and you know, even if he does end up having like some hot summer, um, we can't necessarily rely on that. We don't know what's going to happen. There are way way too many good positions uh, or way too many good players in first base uh, in the Diamond Challenge that you can pick up that are just in much better situations. 
Yeah. No, he, he he tried to get us to play the diamond challenge this year. I just didn't didn't happen. I, I I'm trying to figure out my leagues I'm in right now, let alone a new I, format. So patience we, on that one. We have to talk next year because the the, the in the in season uh, uh, management of that is like honestly, it's it's like five ten minutes a week. Um, I hadn't played it in a couple of years. That's you know where I got my start in fantasy. But um, somebody a week ago they sent me their salary uh, their their roster to look at for the diamond challenge uh, second season. And when I looked at it, I was like, man, look at all these like crazy good salaries. It actually convinced me to sign up a team. So I'm playing Diamond Challenge second season, first time in uh, nice. two years. I think I got zero strikeouts from Walker Bueller on Tuesday. Yeah, I'll have to check that out for sure. Last question of the night. I mentioned it earlier. Dusty Wagner, uh, both of you play DFS on the regular. What things do you look at DFS rather than season long? So when you're, when you're looking at your DFS slates, Vlad, what do you look at there that you don't maybe look for in season long? Yeah, I mean, you you really um, really hit it hit on it pretty well earlier. Is, is is playing DFS really does make you a better season long player because you're going down rabbit holes and you're looking at things that you wouldn't even think to look at um, playing season long. So uh, you know, lineup comes out, you're noticing when somebody's hitting first versus hitting fourth when they're out of the lineup. You're actually going in and digging into splits on players uh, how they do versus lefties versus righties. So when you go to set your season long lineup or you're looking to pick someone up fab and you see okay, uh, the Giants are going to, you know, to, to face all righties. And I know that they platoon, you know, a bunch of lefties. You you can use that to your advantage and you kind of know these numbers by heart because you look them up and, and spend time in on DFS. So DFS just makes you really kind of own in on certain things and, um, it, and, it, and it spreads out to your uh, ability to make wiser decisions in uh, season long. Yeah, the splits are very big because you get those reverse splits, guys, that most mm-hmm. people wouldn't think about. And yeah. that can that can really help you when you're on fab. Like, oh, hey, I want these righties versus righty when you don't think you do, but you actually do this mm-hmm. week. So that guy can be convenient. And I think it also, um, the platoons, like you mentioned, but it's also when you're doing DFS, you just care about that day. So yeah. you're trying to figure out that day. When you're season long, in the grand scheme of things, you just want that number at the end of the season. Obviously, if a guy is slumping tremendously, you're not going to worry about it. But it's the old saying, like you mentioned Freddie Freeman earlier. You're not dropping Freddie mm-hmm. Freeman. You're still in belief that he's going to be pretty close to the back of the baseball card by the end. And if he does that, your number is going to be fine. In DFS, you're not paying $5,500 for Freddie Freeman right now, more often than not, unless mm-hmm. you're being really contrarian. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a different animal when you're breaking things down compar- uh, comparing the two. So stuff along those lines. All right, Vlad. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Always good stuff. Before we take off, plug all of your great work and where they can find you. Uh, yeah, I mean, Twitter is at uh, RotoGut. Uh, work is all at FantasyGuru.com. Uh, fab article, my from the gut, it's more of a free piece. Um, that's it. Just, you know, grinding away. Hopefully, I'm always available uh, on Twitter. If I don't uh, answer your question, I usually will get to it eventually, or I just happen to miss it, so I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, I mean, thank you so much for uh, for having me on. Uh, you know, I always tell you, you're uh, you, you got that voice, man. You're you're you know, you're made for this, and uh, always a smooth and easy conversation. So, I wish you best of luck in the rest with your teams uh, rest of the season. I appreciate it, Vlad. I always enjoy talking to you. I hope to uh, meet up with you down the road here, maybe in Arizona yeah. or something this year. But uh, if not, I might jump in with Matty Wood and go catch the Dodgers game with you guys just for fun. Ooh. I can be the heckler in the crowd just for fun, and we'll have some fun. Because like I told Scott Jensen the other week when he was on, I'm, I'm loving this. I'm going to just do my trolling right now because mm-hmm. I still believe the Dodgers win the West. I'm not clueless in that regard. So I'm going to enjoy it while I can, and then – 
you know, you guys will get to raise your trophy at the end. That's how it's going to go. I'm, I'm very, very onto that. You, you know what? Baseball is a, is a, it's sports, man. It's a, yeah. such a fickle, crazy thing. And there is some magic going on. I will not deny it. There's something special. And uh, I even got myself digging in on the giants hitting coaches. I didn't know it was kind of like a duo there concentrating on different things. Like there's really something going on. I mean, if you can transform Brandon Crawford, it means, yep. you know, you have a chance to win it all. Hey, Farhan did it for the Dodgers. He's doing it in San Francisco right now, mm-hmm. so you never know. But everybody, again, check out Vlad on Twitter at RotoGut, which you probably obviously do if you're listening to this show and all of his great work. It's worth the uh, the price over there at Guru Elite and Fantasy Guru. So, Vlad, thanks for joining me, man. We'll do it again next time. Thank you. Everybody, it's Bench with Bubba, episode 376. See you all later. <laughs>